Have your Bibles and open them with me to Proverbs chapter 2. And I want to read you the first 19 verses. By the way, we're going to set aside um, for the, the, the study of parables. We'll come back to it and we'll finish it. But I, I'm about to explain that further in a minute. But um, this is not a parable. <laughs> and and um, we won't be doing this for a couple of few weeks, but uh, I'll explain that in a minute. Um, you follow as I read uh, from Proverbs chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. From the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the, uh, the word of our God, that endures forever. Um, my sermon this morning requires, is, is going to require a, a, a somewhat lengthy introduction, so bear with me for a minute. Um, as you can tell, um, or maybe you were reminded, I... I spent uh, the weekend with your husbands and brothers and fathers and daddies and all that this weekend. Um, and um, when Chris Luke, who is the, the minister on staff that runs our men's ministry, came to me to ask me to speak uh, for the men's uh, little conference, um, he came to me and, um, you know, it was somewhat offensive the way that he came to me. Um, and asked me to do this because he came to me and he said, um, Dr. Young, we just, um, the board had a meeting last night and, um, and, uh, the board has decided that, um, we don't know how much longer you're going to be around. So, um, uh, we'd like for you to do it, um, you know, before you croak. Um, so, um, that's feeling very pitiful and sorry for myself, um, I said yes, <laughs> but um, I want you to know that I'm on schedule, according to Chris, to die very soon, um, and perhaps being half dead even now. Um, 
But uh, having been asked, I then had to get to work to um, prepare something to say. And, and by having to prepare these things that I said yesterday and Friday night, I was thrown back into that world of um, men, of women, of relationships, um, that kind of thing. And, um, and since I'm dying um, soon... Um, I, I thought I would, I would preach one more time on the subject of marriage. Um, now guys, I have probably done in my 23 years here, I, I've probably done 10 different series on the subject of marriage. I, I didn't, I didn't do that often on parenting because I'm, uh, that's way over my head and above my pay grade. But um, um, I, I've probably te- preached ten times, and it's always been around the Mother's Day, Father's Day kind of time frame. Um, but I, I want to warn you, this may just be my longest of the series on marriages. We'll be interrupted a couple of times, of course, um, with the Lord's Supper. Um but this may go all the way to Father's Day. Is I, I, I don't know yet. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in process. But um, um, but I'm going to do this subject one more time, and then I'm going to die because Chris Luke told me I had to. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so knowing that I'm going to die. Um, this will be the final time that you'll have to listen to this. Um, maybe, maybe you think, um, well, you've already done it ten times. I mean, my goodness, what else could you say? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And, um, but I can, I, I can tell you, this is kind of my, you know, my swan song. You know, the, the kind of the, um, the magical mystery tour. You know, kind of the um, farewell, you know, like Chipper Jones did when he retired from the Braves, and he went to every stadium and said goodbye, you know, and all that is. Well, that's what I'm going to do. You know, just one more time, we're going we're gonna to visit this subject and um, develop it over, I don't know, I don't know, six, seven weeks, something like that. We'll see. Now, um, but I want to begin this morning uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that this is a summary or it's an introduction. I'm not real sure. Um, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some of the things that, that I said to the men yesterday. Um, I, I wanted to start um, this series on marriage by summarizing at least some of what I said over the weekend because it's so germane, um, I think. I think that the, 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 the two are so um, related. That is what I said in this series on marriage. So some of what I, I said yesterday, I want to say to you. And um, if nothing else, um, if you men see some similarities, and you will, um, you women won't. And um, in all honesty, it's really addressed to you. It's addressed to the women this time. Um, I spoke to the men yesterday, but ladies, this morning I'd like to speak to you. 
First of all, uh, you need to know this. This book of Proverbs is, is somewhat unique. Um, and I guess it is unique, but it's written, as you know, by Solomon, who had that experience in 1 Samuel 3, I think, where uh, he asked for wisdom and God says, okay, since you asked for that, you didn't ask for something else. I'm going to give you everything that you could possibly imagine, but you're going to be the wisest man that ever lived. And so then he, write, he wrote this book, um, uh, this book of Proverbs. This is one of his works. Uh, he's got, uh, I think, a couple uh, or three in the Bible. But, um, in fact, he didn't write all of this, but he wrote most of this. But um, the part that's, uh, that's uh, interesting for our uh, purposes, um, particularly is the, the first eight or nine chapters, he's writing it to his son. And um, I, I won't do what I did, but if, you'll, if you ever want to look, take a look back, there's probably about eight or nine times where he opens the chapter by simply saying, my son, my, my son. So, um, so he's sitting down and he's, and he's communicating certain things to his son. But by no means um, is the application of the truth here limited to males. Um, for example, you may have heard that uh, there were two things that I, that I discussed with the men uh, over the weekend. The first theme had to do with fidelity. Really, fidelity in marriage, faithfulness in marriage. The other had to do with wisdom, which is the, the two dominant themes of the first eight chapters of the book. Um, but, but my point is, um, those two things are by no stretch of the imagination needed only by males. Um, fidelity and wisdom is not something that just the husband needs. It's something needed by wives as well. Ladies, um, I, I read passages out of the book of Proverbs to your, and, and I'll just say this, but it may not be just a husband. It might have been your son, for all I know. But, but I read it to that group of men, and, and I, I had a particular brand of text that was in view. And I read, just, just bombarded them with stuff out of the first eight chapters of, of Proverbs. But they're not the only ones addressed in those eight chapters. Some of this addresses you. And I want to show you. Let's start with 2.16. Um, the father says to his son, son, you're going to need wisdom. And, uh, one of the things that wisdom will do for you is to help you avoid a certain kind of woman. Verse 16. So son, I inserted that you will be delivered from the forbidden woman. From the adulteress, with her smooth words. Um, smooth words. Who is it that smooth words are identified with? That's you, ladies. Not the male types. You. Uh, 17, same chapter. This woman forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. 
Look, 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 notice, ladies. She forsakes and she forgets. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. You know what's being described there? It's, being, it's describing a woman who is a deceiver. A woman who uses words to deceive. And, and you know what? Oftentimes that's not the only thing she uses to deceive. Guys, women can out-talk us. Um, that shouldn't be a shock to anyone or anything new. Um, look at chapter 6, verse 24. To preserve you, son, from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. You know what, folks, I, I, I would say to you that every time this, and it's mentioned probably six or seven times, the smooth tongue, it's never associated with the man. It's always associated with the woman. Um, uh, there it is in 624. Uh-oh, here it is again. Chapter 7, verse 5. To keep you, my son, from this forbidden woman. From the adulteress, with her smooth words. We're not done. Chapter 7, verse 10. Um, oh, i got to read a little bit of this. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, in every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Uh, come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, and at full moon he will come home. Tell me, ladies, tell me, who is the primary operative agent in all of that? Who's the one that's on the hunt? Who's the one that's on the prowl? You know, we, we, we men, and I, I said this, um, I, one of the things that I think we're, we're most guilty of is that we, we're high-minded. And, um, you know, we, we got this, this mental picture of ourselves of being this, this, um, this you know, this highly virile, um, you know, male type and, um, and uh, that we go and, and we're the conqueror and uh, women are conquered. Ha! Not according to this. Not according to this, ladies. She is being portrayed here as the, as the initiator. Look at verse 21, same chapter. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. 
seductive speech? Whose? Ladies, females, women. Hey, uh, girls, um, you know anybody like that? You know, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I've tried to convince you in the past, and I, I, I think I'm pretty close to convincing you that I'm not much of a counselor. And um, But, you know, people who have not yet heard me say it enough still come to my office. And most of the time that they come, they're not wanting to talk to me about, you know, the hidden child of the past, um, you know, and working through their phobias or something or their agoraphobia, you know. It, Normally, when they come to me, uh, it's about a marriage. It's about a marriage that's busted up. And I don't have exact figures because (laughs) I think you'll be glad to know that I don't keep records. Um, I don't have exact figures. But I can tell you it's something... It's something around 30%. Maybe a little higher. That when I'm brought into a case of adultery, the guilty party is the wife, not the man. The thing that I I, I really, that you must not miss, is that when the father starts to give advice to his young son... After he speaks to him about, he speaks to him positively about the beauty of wisdom and the need, the the giant need to have wisdom. What is it that is first on this father's mind as being the giant danger for his son? Women. Certain women, maybe not all women, but women who forsake the companion of her youth. Isn't that touching? I mean, does it not strike you, ladies and gentlemen, that that this father, considered to be the wisest of all, who who wants to prepare his son for a life of, of enjoyment, the first thing that he wants to warn him about is women? Um, what warning, Solomon, do you think your son needs to hear the most? Well, son, you need to watch out for the smooth-talking woman. You need to watch out, son, for the smooth words, the seductive words. Of a woman. You know, words like, you know what? I wish my husband were as strong as you. Or, you know what? You're so easy for me to talk to because I I just can't talk to my husband. So, guys, really what I'm saying is that fidelity. Is, is not just a male issue. 
it's a, it's a special work of sin to destroy trust and intimacy in marriage. Because one single act of treason becomes an earthquake which, which creates such a mess that it's hard to put the pieces back together. It, it can be done. But it is oh so hard. The message of Proverbs is that there's nothing, nothing worse than a bad marriage. And nothing better than a good one. But one surefire way to ruin a good one is infidelity. And so yesterday I pled with the men, or actually it was Friday night, I pled with the men to run. And ladies, this morning I plead with you. Run. Sometimes it's a lot more spiritual to run than it is to pray. Run from everything that looks like everything that remotely resembles infidelity. Like, like emails from your old high school sweetheart. That stuff is pornographic, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I know you're not going to agree with me. I know you're not, and, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm an oddball when it comes to this. So don't, don't think I'm asking you to agree. I'm not. I'm just giving you an example. But high school reunions, college reunions, those things are dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. That's when that little thing goes. I know you don't agree with me. But I'm telling you, I hear it more than I like to hear it. Well, we went to the high school reunion and I saw my old flame and he started emailing me and <laughs> Hey, I want to tell you a story. Um, I found this story when I was doing all this work for the men. It was a story about Jonathan Edwards, um, one of my heroes, and it happened in 1758. And um, it was a letter that he dictated to his daughter, his daughter Lucy. Um, he, he dictated to it to her in the in the waning hours of his life. Um, if you know anything about how Jonathan Edwards died, he and his family had uh, submitted to a smallpox inoculation uh, because smallpox was running rampant in New Jersey, and he had moved to New Jersey to become the president of the university that ultimately became Princeton. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the thing, the bastion of liberal everything, Princeton, was once presidented by Jonathan Edwards. And so he took this inoculation, and his kids um, were um, recovered completely. But he, Jonathan Edwards, contracted a full-blown case of smallpox. Uh, he had poxes boiling up all over his body, in the roof of his mouth, all in his mouth, so that he could neither drink nor eat. And so in the closing hours of his life, just racked with fever, um, he called for his daughter Lucy and dictated a letter to his wife Sarah, 
who was not with him because she too was bedridden with another disease and was back in their previous home in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And one of the sentences that he wrote to his wife, dictated to his daughter Lucy, perhaps some of the last things that he said on this side of the eternity. One sentence, he wrote this. Give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long subsisted between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will continue forever. Our uncommon union. Does that not strike a chord with you? It does me. Our uncommon union. Wow. I would love to wax more eloquent on that, but I've, I've got to move to the other part of this and then finish up. But the other issue that I, I spoke to your men about, or to our men about yesterday was about wisdom. And of course, um, the, the, uh, the book of Proverbs, I mean, it's just dominated by the, um, by the statement about, statements about wisdom. Um, you know, it says in 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, it tells us to value wisdom, to pursue wisdom, uh, to value it highly, more highly than rubies or gold or silver, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the beginning of that wisdom, of course, is the fear of the Lord. And I drew this little thing up on a board. And, 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 and what I said is basically that the key issue, the key element uh, in, in the pursuit of wisdom is to begin in the right place. And the, the right place to begin has to do with the fear of the Lord. Apart from the fear of the Lord, there is no wisdom. Zero. You don't even start. You don't even get started because it's zero. The beginning is the, begin is the fear of the Lord. Um, and I said to them that wisdom often eludes us because we're high-minded as men. We are high-minded and self-assured, which is the very antithesis of of the fear of the Lord. You get that? There's not going to be any wisdom among us, guys, because if we're high-minded and self-assured, we, we, we don't even get to the starting point because that's the antithesis of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Do you get that? But ladies, as a gender, I don't think you're guilty of that same kind of male sin of high-mindedness and being so self-assured, that, that kind of business that often characterizes us. But by no means am I saying that you're all God-fearers. Because in many cases, you aren't. For instance, you are far more prone to extract wisdom from a magazine article than you are this book. And may I say, ladies, your, your, your advisors 
are steering you very poorly. You spend ten times more time in Glamour magazine and the rest of its ilk than you do trying to find out what God has said to you. You learn far more readily from a talk show host than you do the Word of God. And consequently, both of us, males, females, we are bereft of wisdom. And so we end up with nothing close to what's known as a uncommon union. Um, ladies, I, I did this. I, your husbands should probably, could, I hope, could teach you this. But just real quickly, let me just show you what the book of Proverbs says about the, what the fear of the Lord is. Uh, start with me in chapter 8, verse 13. It's really simple. You know, I said to them, I've got degrees galore. I've, I've been to school for 23 years of my life, but it didn't take any of that to understand this. This is simple. This is uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Here it is. Simple statement. The fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. You see it? You know what the fear of the Lord is? It's hatred of evil. That's pretty simple. That's a predicate nominative. There's a verb to be in the middle. One is equated to the other. Fear of the Lord, hatred of evil. They're the same thing. Um, it's also said a little bit differently in chapter 3, verse 7. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Um, it says it again, not in that book. I mean, it says it again in that book. But the, the place that I took them was in, in, in Job chapter 28, verse 28. That says the same thing. Uh, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Um, the, the one I, I loved uh, uh, was in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, um, where, where this is right after the, the, uh, Moses has given us the Ten Commandments. And he says this, uh, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him be before you, that you may not sin. He says, don't fear, so that you can fear. Because the fear of God is basically a view of God that is so high and exalted that I would not dream of ever toying with sin. That I would run from it, that I would avoid it, that I wouldn't dabble with it. I wouldn't dream of it. Because I know that this God that I love has an inflexible hatred of sin. And I so esteem him. I have such a view of him that sin is not only his enemy, it is mine. The beginning of wisdom. It's a view of God, a view of God that says, sin is something that I don't toy with. I don't flirt with it. I don't dabble in it. I run from it.
You know what the Bible calls that? Wisdom. The Bible calls that wisdom. So, fidelity and wisdom, two very significant and important elements of an uncommon union. Don't you want one of those? An uncommon union. Well, two of the things that are going to be required are fidelity and wisdom. You know, um, I may not be that kind of spouse. But I have one. And it's not Susie. My faithful and wise spouse. Is Jesus Christ. So faithful to me. That he died in my place. Instead of throwing me away. For all of my sin. He gave up his life for me. And out of that has come an uncommon union. An uncommon union between a sinner and his Savior. Heavenly Father, I I do pray that you will use uh, your word to convince us all of the great need that we have for, for this, this beautiful element of fidelity in marriage and this, this rare jewel of wisdom, a wisdom that begins, it starts with a reverence for you that leads us to run from sin and not to toy with it and to, and to see it as the enemy of our souls. Would you, um, would you begin to work that in us, O oh God, in both husband and wife? Would you, um, 
Would you heal the brokenness that exists in our homes by starting there, by the power of the Holy Spirit creating a fear of the Lord, and then an an uncanny determination to be faithful. every way to the wife of our youth and the husbands of our youth. Might we um, might we leave this planet being able to say as did Jonathan Edwards I glory in the uncommon union that you allowed me to enjoy for a lifetime. Do that, Father, for the good of the kingdom, for Jesus' sake, and for those that you've led here, O oh God, who have not yet, this, have not yet met this beautiful Savior of ours. Might they see him now in all of his faithfulness to his people. We pray it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.